Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at at BMB21. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, welcome to another episode of Stock Talking. In the words of Creed, it's been a while, but he's back, everybody. The impervious coming on to talk about the market options and so much more. Sean, welcome back to the show. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I I might be bearing some bad news about markets and things. But otherwise, things are good, man. We haven't been doing this uh, because we've been doing some other fun stealth projects in golfing. Um, So looking forward to talking some stock here. Absolutely. So we are recording this today, October 14th. It is a Wednesday. SPY closed up at 347. 93. Uh, actually up quite a bit from where it was in September when we kind of had the mini correction, uh, but showing signs of potentially weakening. Um, today was particularly interesting as we saw some sell-off in tech um, and elsewhere as well. Bank earnings perhaps not coming in as strong as people expected. Uh, so what's going on in the market right now as you see it? Yeah, so I think since the last time uh, that we we recorded a podcast here, we Basically went through last week of this weird news cycle of uh, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ trading against uh, news and updates regarding stimulus. First, the Trump tweet that I advised his team not to continue negotiating to him saying, yes, I want stimulus. And then even saying, I want bigger stimulus. Well, this week has been sort of an interesting uh, complement to the action last week where the market seems completely indifferent to anything news related uh, with uh, the stimulus. And, you know, first of all, trading on news is always a losing strategy, always only trade on price traders. Um, But where we sit today on, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Um, The S&P 500 or, you know, the SPY index, Closed today just below 348. And we've been in this interesting pattern of the market just grinding higher, which to those of you keeping score at home, this is almost identical to sort of the uh, action right at the end of August as um, both the, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ were soaring to new highs, seeking, seemingly impervious uh, to yeah, you hear that? Um, to any type of selling and just having every dip bought, stick saves coming out left and right, even some of the blockers. Well, we got that same type of look in the chart with just lots of gaps on the daily uh, and the RSI not getting quite as high as it was in, in late August, but um, pretty overbought. But the major dynamic going on right now that I think a lot of people have queued onto um, is this gamma squeeze effect which if you'll remember, there's that whole story about SoftBank driving up the market by just buying ridiculous amounts of uh, out of the money calls on big tech themes uh, like Tesla, NVIDIA and, and some others. And basically what this causes 
uh, to happen is market makers, the ones that are, are selling those calls to SoftBankers, SoftBank or whoever, has to buy the underlying stock to hedge against those calls if they end up in the money and get exercised, they have to sell that stock. But this is is being precipitated by the call buying. So whoever out there, whichever well this is, you know, this was SoftBank, presumably it could be them again, uh, can just continue buying these huge lots of, of calls, which forces market makers to then continue buying the stock. So when you've got low volume and, you know, it doesn't look like there's enough uh, emotional selling to really take market any lower and the prices are really too high for anyone to say, you know what, I think this is a great time. I really want to own some, some S&P 500 or NASDAQ at 300. Um, you can get a lot of buying to occur through, through that process. So yesterday we saw on the Gex um, from Squeeze Me, the highest rating that's ever been recorded, $15 billion worth of gamma exposure, meaning for every dollar that uh, S&P 500 goes up, uh, that costs market makers uh, another $15 billion in hedging or uh, calls which are now in the money. So this causes this push and pull effect where the call buying is driving the market forward, but we have the market makers end up being net short so that they can hedge against all of those calls that have been bought. So while this drives the market higher, there comes a point where if those calls get closed or we gap down and they're now uh, way out of the money, then there's a, a mass liquidation from the market makers. And that causes sort of what almost looks like very orderly selling based on the ticks uh, on the chart, but then turns into emotional selling as everyone else piles in. So at this point, you know, I, I don't want to be calling for a rug pull or anything like that to be happening. Bears have, have been thoroughly shellacked anytime they think there's going to be a major sell-off happening. But since this does look so similar to where we were at right at the turn from August and September, I don't think that uh, another 5 to 10% correction in a one or two trading day period is outside of the question. So that's definitely one thing to be looking out for. But I think there is also the fact that uh, this may still be the blow off top um, uh, akin to what was seen in the, the dot-com bubble. So there's still the potential for much higher. I don't think we'll necessarily be crashing, but that doesn't mean that there won't be swift and, and fast corrections, which you know will also have the dip bot. But whichever way we go, either down or up, it'll be the path of, of most pain to all people. Yeah, let me double click on some of the comments about potential for a blow-off top as well as the gamma exposure stuff you brought up. So the gamma explanation makes some sense to me. Um, I guess where I'm not fully convinced is a lot of the SaaS names that have been rallying like crazy. So here I'm thinking about Cloudflare, Okta, Twilio, and then before today's announcement, which we'll get to uh, fastly, it feels like they've actually been rallying on news and the strength of the underlying products. I say that because Cloudflare um, recently had its birthday week, so anniversary, one of the anniversaries of the founding of the company, uh, announced a, a bunch of products, all which uh, seem like they could monetize it and um, potentially increase guidance in the future as a result. Um, some pretty impressive product announcements. Okta kind of had an investor, uh, I'm not sure if it was an, exactly an investor day, but they definitely showed off a bunch of products. Uh, Twilio bought Segment, which a lot of people were hyped up about that acquisition. I personally think it's a, it's a pretty strong acquisition that complements um, their existing kind of messaging products pretty well uh, with an analytics product. And then Fastly, uh, supposedly, seems to be rallying on no news before I uh, kind of got dusted off today when they lowered guidance. Um, this is all to say 
it seems like there's still a kind of this underlying belief um, that SaaS has more room to run and the, the companies involved uh, kind of keep putting out great products and keep strengthening um, their underlying fundamental position. So do you think SaaS is rallying for technical reasons or could there be more to the story here? Well, I, I want to get to the Fastly piece of news in a moment because right before we, we went on air, my, my whole perspective on what basically had been my favorite segment and the one I'm most bullish on changed completely 100%. And so do I think they're rallying on news? Uh, not, not necessarily just because, again, more often than not, when there is positive news, especially if it's heavily anticipated, you get the buy the rumor, sell the, the news type event and typically sells off. I do think it is more a result of, uh, again, very, very popular and successful stocks that had up until this point been resilient to a lot of the broader selling in the market. Uh, and had rebounded uh, back to and way past all-time highs. So to my eyes, it definitely does look in a lot of ways like a technical movement with you know, Fastly just going uh, absolutely crazy after hitting a new all-time high and running up you know, $25, which has been evaporated. We'll get to that in a minute. But a lot of these stocks had been at all-time highs. And then with that sell-off in September, you know, we get some, some bit of, of price discovery. And they've all seemed to found, find a great support not too far off from that high. And certainly well above their previous all-time highs, you know, assuming they've been um, trading for, for longer than sort of this COVID era. So there's, there's a lot to be, to be seen rather than heard um, in this space, since many of them are also not super exposed to the major indexes. You know, stock like Apple will more or less look the exact same in terms of the price action to uh, the NASDAQ and really the, the S&P 500 or SPY just because of um, how strong the weighting is. And then all of these stocks and sort of that blue chip tech uh, sector end up moving in lockstep in a lot of ways due to that that correlation. So it, to me, they seem like a great play and a great short-term bet, you know, as well as potentially long-term um, because in, in this particular brand of bull market uh, with growth stocks being being hot, you know, there, there is a, a lot of excitement there and a lot of volume coming in um, based on the news and price action, nothing like price action to change sentiment. So I, I don't really see a ton of the news really affecting things. And, you know, while Apple isn't a cloud stock, um, one of the things that, that we saw this week with uh, Apple having an iPhone event announcing they're basically just re-releasing the iPhone 5, they had some extra uh, chassis there that they're going to spin up into a new phone. And that also they will no longer be including headphones and a charger wall wart. I believe it is, uh, with their, their iPhones. So great, great announcement. Uh, predictably sold off after their event. And so, you know, that could be some buy the rumor, sell the news, but there's also just a, a historical trend of Apple um, having, you know, some degree of selling one to 2%, if not more, following one of those events. So I really think that news is, is the driver for a move up, but can certainly be the catalyst for a move down uh, in most cases. Yeah, that, that question was in part devil's advocate on my end. I mean, I think Cloudflare is a good example of, you know, they announced Cloudflare One, which is kind of a leading edge um, security and networking product. I think there's a lot they can do with it. Uh, there's a, lot, a huge amount of great partnerships there. I mean, they partnered with Okta, CrowdStrike, and a lot of other uh, public company names that we uh, like to talk about on this podcast. Again, that said, it's you know, the day that they announced it, the stock was up whatever, 23, 25%, something crazy like that. It's very difficult to say as an investor, 
based on this one product announcement, I think the stock was 25% undervalued prior to this quick blog post. I mean, Matthew Prince literally put out a blog post. I think they did some, some more marketing materials on it. Uh, but really, it's hard to go off of that and come up with a quick valuation based, based on that one particular thing. Um, so I, I agree with you. Um, I do want to get to Fastly, though. So uh, Fastly kind of comes out today. And um, I guess this was due to a resale registration statement um, Form S3 in connection with their acquisition of Signal Sciences a couple months ago. Um, they had to announce preliminary results for the third quarter. So they come out and they lower um, guidance for revenue for, uh, to 70 to 71 million and previous guidance was 73 and a half to 75. So cutting it by about 5 million um, on the high end. So pretty significant. Um, I mean, that's a couple percentage points. Reasons they say they're doing this um, I'm reading directly from the press release. Uh, due to the impact of, uncertain, of an uncertain geopolitical environment, usage of Fastly's platform by its previously disclosed largest customer did not meet expectations. Uh, that would be TikTok, um, and the geopolitical environment would be the United States and China and a continuing uh, technology and trade war. Um, they also say during the latter part of the third quarter, a few customers had lower usage than Fastly had estimated. So stock getting crushed after hours, um, is this move deserved? Uh, what do you think is happening here, Sean? I, I think you're really understating how much Fastly sold off. It was it was basically fatality. It's it's it looks almost like it's drilling into the core of the earth, selling off almost thirty percent. And it's hard to even think of an earnings miss in recent history. Granted, the bar is always set so low that you know investors always hear what they uh, want to hear. Um, but I can't think of another instance, especially after season where all the earnings moves were inside of expectations, crushing uh, options, premium buyers. But a 33% move is massive, especially after Fastly being such a, a remarkable uh, stock last week, um, going up, you know, over 25%. Uh, and that, that was a move that I was watching. And, you know, I can't say I was predicting a move like that. Otherwise, I would have kept more of my position on longer but i think that there was definitely a lot of the telltale signs uh in terms of volume coming in um a a wedge formation breakout uh and also a move past all-time high which definitely set up for a move so this news here though as i mentioned earlier uh in the price action falling after hours has completely changed sort of my outlook in, in terms of um cloud stocks and granted this just happened an hour ago we'll see where everything's at tomorrow but not just Fastly, which, you know, revised its its earnings by, what, like $3 million. Uh, across the board, every single cloud stock, all the darlings, you know, so you got Fastly, D-Dog, Twilio, uh, our, our baby and, you know, friend of the podcast, CrowdStrike, you know, sold off after hours, um, you know, after failing a move to, to all-time high, all high earlier today which that was definitely one of the plays I've been looking forward to. But since this is all appearing to happen at the same time, and you know, there's nothing to really indicate other than the, the synchronized nature of the selling here, uh, that these are related. But the fact that basically every single cloud stock, for the most part, uh, all these growth darlings um, you know, took a pretty serious dip after hours, basically at least 1% um, across the board, it seems to indicate that there is a a larger factor, something else at play here, other than just TikTok deciding that uh, Fastly is not good enough for, for them or, or whatever. So, you know, on the one hand, a, a pretty extreme uh, analysis or reading of this could be, you know, maybe there is a, a complete rethinking and revaluing of 
growth stocks, especially in this space, certainly, you know, there are other other sectors that look perfectly fine after hours. But this does feel in a lot of ways like the moment where the music stops and, and you know, the, the party's over. So I think this does sort of cast a much more bearish uh, tone on, on some of the things today, especially with uh, the selling we had in the indexes and some of the weak action there. Um, at the end of the day, nothing's more important than liquidity, which there's no shortage of that. And the market you know, certainly won't sell off too far as long as uh, that's freely available. But um, this, this definitely does look like a bigger move and potentially a whole paradigm shift um, just based on the, the sector, if you can call that, uh, sector-wide selling in, in SaaS and cloud. Let, let me push you a lot on, on some of those comments. So I'm reading a tweet from Ryan Reeves, who's on the podcast. Recommend our listeners go and check that out. Ryan was a fantastic guest. But Ryan Reeves tweets that uh, Fastly is actually trading now where it was 13 days ago. So again, this is a a two-week move for this company, right? Uh, Which, if you're a long-term investor, that's nothing. Um, So there's there's that, right? This is very much kind of par for the course when the stock is volatile as Fastly. The second point I bring up, is you know we're talking about a guidance change of whatever as you said three to five million dollars. I think it, it shakes out to five, six, seven percent ish. Um, and again, that's on a company that does seventy million in revenue per quarter, right? Where there are cloud stocks that are way bigger than this, and uh, you know something that's happening uh, for a company of fastly size is not going to be relevant uh, to a, to a Twilio and even really to a Cloudflare, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you can see it as a proxy for what's happening for SaaS or, or the general market. I mean, I, I'll bring it up, but uh, a stock I own, which I've pumped on this podcast numerous times, Crocs came out in increased guidance, uh, not but a few weeks ago. So I, I think the macro environment actually remains quite strong uh, for a number of companies. And I don't think uh, what's happening fastly here is indicative of anything else. I mean, one additional thing I'd add is... I'm not surprised. I mean, they didn't offer a breakdown of kind of how much the TikTok thing impacted them versus some customers that didn't really record as high usage. Um, but the TikTok event to me it doesn't, it, it, in part, it was priced in, and I'm, and I'm not really surprised. I mean, there was a question of whether TikTok would even be allowed to operate in the United States. So I'm not surprised if they kind of were trying to diversify off Fastly a little bit. Um, anyways. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with you. I don't think this is a death blow. And in fact, I might even argue it's a buying opportunity. Well, let, let me uh, rephrase some amount in, in that I do agree with you in, in that, you know, for, for now in the time being, the, the script and strategy is still by the dip. But we'll, we'll see whether they truly find support or if they're, you know, this, this selling, especially when it comes to Fastly, uh, does create a lot of weaker hands uh, amongst new holders or dip buyers. Because um, that is a pretty extreme dip. And even if it only takes us back, you know, 13 or so trading days, um, I think it, this, this is probably a knife that I'm not trying to catch just yet. Uh, in that, you know, this is changing in a lot of ways, especially for Fastly. And we'll probably see with many of these cloud stocks. Um, sort of what what some of the the valuation is uh, moving forward. So I, I definitely reserve the right to still be super bullish, and you know ultimately this could be a big nothing burger, and everything is returning more or less to uh, today's trading range by the time um, the market's open tomorrow. But there is also the the alternative that you know this is the start of a, a new trend moving forward. So um, always be open to both possibilities and allow yourself to. 
tell yourself that one is wrong when when proven so. Um, but you know, for the time being, with Fastly, um, it doesn't look like that dip is getting bought too heavily here. And again, it's only been you know a couple hours or so since since that news dropped. But um, that's definitely, definitely one thing I'll be paying close attention to uh, for the rest of the week. Right. I think both of us are, are probably offering two strong reactions when we have a ton of news yet to drop in the coming weeks. Third quarter earnings coming up. This is something I'm excited to talk to you about. We already saw a preview today with uh, two of my favorite stocks, Wells Fargo and uh, Bank of America, really getting hammered after reporting not so great earnings. Don't want to talk about that, but I know you probably do. I uh, want to hear your thoughts on earnings. What are you looking for? Are there any particular companies you're excited for to report? Well, you know, again, after this this new disclosure from Fastly heading into a new earnings season, um, I, I think the the strategy, which typically had been and certainly will still be, um, playing the run up and then getting out before the earnings themselves, just because of volatility around it. And if you're an options trader, there is the volatility crush where after the earnings uh, is reported, um, the implied volatility comes down significantly because the implied volatility, what you pay for in the options contract premiums when you buy them uh, is you know, based around that event and what the expected move is. But once the event happens, you, know, you now have certainty and you know, the price can still move and be volatile, but the implied volatility will come down significantly. So with out of the money uh, options, they, they become significantly less valuable um, after earnings. So the play is typically, you know, find, find one stock that, you know, maybe looking strong, but or poised for a breakout with earnings, you know, a few weeks ahead so that you can position They're usually be piling in in the day or two before and even, you know, right up till the closing bell, right before earnings are, are reported, because, you know, there will certainly be no shortage of degenerate gamblers looking to just uh, roll the dice on earnings. But with this quarter, I think, you know, you can't expect the same type of, of blowout performances we saw, maybe not across the board, but certainly in the big tech names uh, with that one afternoon of Apple and Facebook and uh, I believe it was Amazon um, all blasting through all time highs at the same time in, in one earnings afternoon. Well, we're entering the first quarter without helicopter money and additional unemployment benefits. And also, based on how gangbusters a lot of the earnings were, uh, I think there is the potential for uh, a big letdown and correction in certain places. You know, am I going to try and bet against Apple and Apple earnings? Yeah, that's that's always a risky bet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there is uh, a lot more sort of um, caution in in guidance moving forward. Uh, and if there aren't as many sort of overwhelming news updates. Now, that won't stop uh, stocks from rallying pretty hard uh, after an underwhelming earnings. But um, considering how low the bar was previously, uh, when we're still in sort of the recovery mindset instead of the, well, I guess this is now what it is uh, mindset where, you know, sure, there's, there's more reopening. We can have, you know, bars, events, everything else fully opened up everywhere, uh, whatever it would take to do that. But the, in terms of the, the immediate reopening narrative, there really isn't much more to expect. And especially with no stimulus coming on this quarter, the fact that it is delayed does have a material impact on the fundamentals of the general market. And now that, that wouldn't change necessarily this quarter, but if we're looking at forward-looking guidance, it's hard to think that there will be you know, revised guidance upward for a lot of the darlings or a lot of the, the, the stocks, which are well, well above all-time highs or where um, they were trading the, the last time they earned. So 
uh, as far as, you know, stocks I'm looking at in this coming quarter, I mean, nothing has really changed across the board in the places that I would be looking, the cloud and SaaS space uh, with Fastly reporting those earnings ahead. You know, maybe that is a good bullish play if they get beat down ahead of earnings so much. Um, you know, with stocks like FireEye One uh, that, that had uh, very impressive earnings last quarter, traded up to $16 and is now trading at just $14, you know, is, is an area where I would feel safe with the run up there for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, the, the price has come down significantly without any real uh, major news or material impact on their, their earnings. So um, there's, there's definitely still opportunities in the cloud SaaS space, but I feel like the likes of Facebook, Apple, the, the tech blue chips certainly do present a lot of risk going into their earnings, considering how good the previous earn, earnings were and how, much, how many headwinds there are going ahead. Yeah, well, you, you in your notes, uh, call that specifically gold miners as a trade you're excited about. I mean, gold, I continue to own it. Um, I've actually thought about allocating to Bitcoin a bit uh, to potentially have like the same type of hedge, but get a little more volatility exposure. Uh, either way, I mean, gold, I'm not taking out of my portfolio. I feel like it's kind of traded sideways, um, you know, maybe since June or July. Um, at least GLD, if you use that as proxy, has is, is been one high 170s, low 180s for quite a while now. Um, any potential for gold to have a breakout slash? I know you've always liked the miners more so and then gold, the commodities. So what are your expectations there? Yeah, so we, we talk about precious metals a lot, and I think we're both very, very bullish on the fundamentals there. I mean, the long-term story of inflation is is very bullish for, for golds and, and commodities in general. Um, but for as great as that, that uh, gold trade was right up until the beginning of August, we've basically been in this downward wedge uh, of consolidation. And it looked like we had a breakout uh, earlier this week on Monday, but it's just headed right back into sort of that that wedge shape. So uh, at the moment, you know, the dollar or the the dollar is really dictating a lot of uh, where where the price action in, in gold goes. They're they're so tightly correlated, and so I certainly am bullish on gold long term, but. Uh, I still think there's a lot of potential for um, some more downward action before it finds support. Now, that's not going to be more than, you know, a few percent off where it's at now. So there's nothing wrong with just continuing to to add gold to your portfolio at this price and continue to add if it goes lower. Um, but I definitely do see a breakout. And the, the question is, if the spot price is moving lower before it moves higher, we saw that false breakout earlier. So, um, you know, definitely a little skeptical before I start levering up on a gold position. That being said, I think this is an opportunity to be very bullish on gold miners. Uh, the reason being, uh, previous quarter was basically the first quarter where we saw gold spot price at an all-time high for an entire quarter and a quarter without any uh, mine shutdowns due to quarantine or COVID-related measures that need to be taken. So you can expect basically the best uh, earnings that any of these companies, Newmont, uh, Barracks Gold, just to name a few, GDX uh, is the main ETF for gold miners. Um, but that's one area where considering they've basically been moving with the price of gold and have sort of underperformed gold uh, as of late, so have some some arbitrage there relative to the spot price, I think they present a, a lot of upside in the short term next couple months, and especially over this earnings season. So if we're looking at what, what are plays that at this moment, this point in time, you can feel good about 
uh, taking a position and moving forward. I feel like that, that to me, you know, while it might not have a, a 25% run over two trading days like Fastly, which, you know, who knows, um, the, the gold miners do present both value and a good upside narrative. Um, and the charts, you know, the stocks have been doing well. Um, despite being technically in a bull market after you know, gold sold off at the beginning of, of August, um, the move is up. And so I'll be looking out for a few of those plays again. Newmont, Barracks Gold, Kingman Gold, or Kinross Gold, excuse me, Yamana Gold. Um, so that would be uh, NEM for Newmont, GLD for Barracks, uh, KC for Kinross Gold, and AUY for Yamana. GDX is, is the gold miners ETF and GDXJ as well. Uh, and there's some fun levered uh, miner ETFs you can play like JNUG, NUG-T, um, not quite a fan of those, but hey, there's a lot of opportunities to get some exposure to miners. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think if I'm not ready to take the plunge on Bitcoin, the, the most recent podcast I had got me thinking about it. I think I, I do want to swap maybe some of my GLD exposure for some of the miners because I am convinced on your story there. Um, you had one interesting thing. Well, you had multiple interesting things on your topics you wanted to talk about today, but I did want to close with this one. Um, you write, is the market trading on news or does the news just respond to the market? Um, I feel like this actually has been the story of the market the last like six or seven months. Like every time we see a dip, uh, Powell's coming in, rumors of a new stimulus round are coming in. And every time we kind of go sky high, um, it's because of the stimulus or because of low rates. So clearly there are like dueling narratives at play here. There's a chicken and egg thing going on here. So I wanted to hear your perspective on this because I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, so I, I hit on this a little bit earlier right at the top of the podcast, um, sort of running down how much the price action um, was really revolving around updates or Trump tweets last week. Um, and so the, the interesting thing is it, it, it clearly seems to correspond uh, with um, price action, you get some type of uh, hyping from Donald Trump, um, you know, when it's up and then some stimulus update when it's down. But with the stocks being so high and major indexes so close to all time highs, uh, there's been basically no action based on the news, which has been incredibly underwhelming, basically, you know, all but saying there won't be any stimulus before the election which I think everyone has known. Is it priced into the market? I don't know. Does it need to? I also don't know. But this is, there's, there's no news, uh, like black powder from, from this news to be dictated. So if we do get a selling situation, I think that's the only circumstance where stimulus gets done in the near term um, because it is basically Trump's stated purpose to you know, make his reelection bid in a lot of ways on the success of the stock market. And the Fed has two, uh, directives from the government. One is, you know, maximum employment. And also the other one is basically keeping stocks up. I probably got that wrong. So, you know, readers blast me in the, the comments, but there's not, not much to really be gained at this point by passing stimulus. If, you know, by measure of the economy through the stock market, everything is great. You know, the, the employment numbers have tapered off, uh, you know, but there's also been indifference from the markets rel regarding any of the, the numbers updates. We had seen markets pumped on jobs and non-farm payroll. Uh, and they more or less don't respond or if there is, you know, a selling candle that instantly gets bought up. So the, the frightening thing is that in a lot of ways, the price action is not responding to news or related to, to that at all. And so that's why I feel like the, the gamut exposure narrative, which is, you know, I'm, I'm sure sort of uh, quantum mechanics to a lot of people, myself included, I know it just enough to, um, 
you know, not, not sound too smart when talking about it, but it's, it's a market dynamic that has a lot more effect on what you're seeing on the tape than any of the news. So and on the one hand, you know, we, we can, we should, should talk about what, what to expect the election now that it's closer than ever. But there, there was, you know, originally an assumption that there was a lot of volatility um, coming right around the election. If, if, you know, Trump won, the markets would rally. If Biden won, they would sell off. It almost seemed like that narrative is switched just because people are trying to fit whichever narrative they can to the price action in terms of like, oh, the market expects a blue wave and they'll just pass more stimulus than Trump would be able to. So the markets aren't selling, which I, I don't, maybe the market is the most effective poll we have on, on the uh, election since every, every poll seems to be disagreeing on the numbers to such a degree that it's hard to really uh, you know, get any objective information from it. And so the, moving forward, you know, the, the markets could rally, the markets could sell off after, before or after the election. But, you know, the, the narrative had sort of been that uh, markets would be up on Trump since he's very pro-economy uh, and stock market and down on uh, the Democrats because, you know, more taxation, higher taxes on capital gains, this and that. But with the price action, everything else stimulus related, the, the narrative seems to have flipped completely in that the expectation is that a, a Democratic win would mean even more stimulus and nothing would change with regards to the Fed's policy, just more liquidity. So uh, there's really nothing to, to worry about there. And maybe the, the threat of raised taxes has been minimized. Uh, and the fact that you know Trump and the Republicans are trying to get a smaller deal, maybe Trump would be bad for the markets, actually. But in some ways, it does seem like that is a lot of fitting the narrative to the price action and trying to treat that as uh, some type of referendum or a poll on who's winning. But I think right now there, there is a lot of volatility expected right around the election, obviously. Um, and it, it's hard to tell if how much of it is priced in since I think uh, many are expecting a contested election, which I think is the biggest risk, not so much uh, which candidate wins or loses, but whether or not there is any type of uh, decisiveness to to the election in the ensuing uh, weeks, presumably, and you know certainly if it stretches out to months, I think then then there's some risk there. Um, but for for the time being, I think the price action will dictate a lot of you know what the the narrative is on in terms of stimulus and everything else. So if we do see a big drop, we'll probably see some stimulus, and then we'll see a you know re reconfiguring of you know what what sort of the conventional wisdom is as far as how the markets are responding to the race. But you know definitely don't trade on politics; that doesn't necessarily work. Um, so I, I think either candidate presents a good situation, um, but there are certain issues that, you know, we may run into completely unpresidential related uh, and potentially not even liquidity related if there is some type of other event um, that dictates it. But the one thing I do think uh, we should be looking out for uh, when it comes to the election is smoke weed every day, weed stocks. With the election coming up, there is the potential for broader legalization. That means a larger market uh, for weed stocks like Canopy Growth, Tilray, Aurora Cannabis, Hexo, uh, which have pretty much been beaten down since some of their ridiculous highs. Um, some almost at risk of even being delisted, uh, some, some uh, reverse splits, just an ugly situation. But I think there's certainly a lot of optimism uh, for a lot of uh, 
potential growth um, if we do see more states legalized, which is, is to be expected. But uh, we have heard comments, uh, I believe from Kamal Harris, while people that we uh, could potentially get federal legalization if that happens, opening up the biggest cannabis market uh, to all of these companies, which would certainly have a first mover advantage, uh, depending on how that legislation is worded. So that's a nice speculative play that I think uh, based on the, the value there, some do trade like penny stocks, but the ETF, the alternative harvest, uh, ticker MJ, uh, is a good way to, to just like with the miners and GDX, get some exposure to that space. Uh, and that's probably the only election narrative that I'd be willing to make a, a bet, albeit a small one, on uh, for the time being. That's, that's very interesting. Um, I mean, I think you remember how some of those stocks traded, I guess it would have been the lower part of, or the end part of 2018. I'm actually looking at Tilray's chart right now. You think about Tilray, which is like in a $150 stock and it's now trading at six bucks. It's like amazing to think about in retrospect, but maybe a blue wave can bring it back. Uh, blue wave will spur the green wave. Could be the, the order of the day. I dig uh, all right, let's, let's close up with our bets as we usually do. Uh, I think you're going to be surprised at the scoreboard. Um, sometimes positive and sometimes negative, but I will start with BRKB versus triple Q. Uh, I made a big bet on Buffett, uh, my idol and boyhood and manhood hero. Uh, so BRKB is a 16% return um, from May 1st. Triple Q, you're not going to believe this is up 37%. I mean, pretty wild. Um, NASDAQ 100 just uh, flying high. Uh, for those interested, market is up 23% uh, over that time period. So again, that is since May 1st. Um, pretty amazing on the NASDAQ 100. I mean, I, I think a 37% return in a couple month period is just otherworldly. So uh, I, I keep thinking I, every time I make a comeback, those separate. So I think uh, that 100 bucks is pretty secure. Well, I not not so fast. And while I, I stand behind the sentiment when that was that bet was made, was that May, March? Uh, that was May 1st. Yeah. On, on May 1st. Uh, I, I still think there's great potential that the Nasdaq, you know, could add another 10 to 15 percent in the in the coming months. You know, there, there's certain there's definitely the potential. We haven't even seen the actual blow off top. Uh, and we may even see some some pretty significant corrections in the interim, but there's a potential to go much higher before any type of of major uh, drawdown. Which you know there seems to be amongst the corners of FinTwit that that uh, I, I hide sometimes some consensus that there will be a major drawdown at some point in the uh, indeterminate future. And it certainly worries me that that's going to be before May. So I think there comes a point where we do see value finally shine. And with the accelerated market cycles that we're kind of going through here, you know, squeezing uh, several years of a bull market into just a few months, uh, I think that that adjustment in, in rotation will happen at breakneck speed. So uh, I, short term, I'm, I'm still loving this bet long term. You know, I think this this will play out like tortoise in the hair. I guess we are. Uh, I think we have a full six or seven months. I can't do math. Uh, we have a long way to go on this bet, so that is a good point. Um, as we like to say in our other favorite pastime, DraftKings, there's a lot of football left to play. So good call on your end. We'll be watching that one closely. Other two bets. Uh, you're going to love this. Uh, you are smoking me in our CrowdStrike MGM bet. Uh, this one is has kind of has a random origin. This was after IAC acquired a 10% stake 
in MGM. I was very high on the stock. However, since then, um, MGM is down uh, about 2.5%, and CrowdStrike is up a whopping 52%. I think it's pretty fair to say you probably won that one. Final bet. Um, I'm actually doing a victory lap on this one. This has been like a very high conviction stock for me. I've added to my position a lot over time. Um, since August 17th, uh, we're doing Crocs versus Skechers, also known as Battle of the Lame Footwear. Crocs is up 20%. Um, also worth noting, uh, recent news on Crocs is Fidelity now has a 10% position in the company. Um, that was on their most recent 13G. They also announced a pretty big collaboration with uh, Justin Bieber, um, doing a lot of things for the brand. Of course, has a huge Instagram following, enormous YouTube following. So Justin Pradware Crocs Skechers over that time period up seven percent. So I've established a pretty nice lead on that one. Yeah, I, I certainly underestimated how beloved uh, Crocs are, and as, as far as beloved shoe brands, I I don't think that uh, Justin Bieber in the weekend would would be pimping out uh, a pair of Skechers. So. Uh, I, I am a believer in, in the Crocs and, and how beloved their footwear is. Yep, believe in the brand. That about wraps it up. Uh, another good episode, buddy. Uh, any closing words for the listeners? Be safe, everyone. Definitely. All right, we'll do it again next week. Happy trading. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit postcoronastocks.com.